0: that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes, super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, uplevel your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Chani Olshansky, I'm a mom of 4 under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. Today, I'm really excited because we have a guest, and we don't usually have guests on the podcast. The podcast is usually a lot of just solo episodes of me talking, sometimes pontificating about leadership and all the things. But sometimes I like to bring in some guests to give a fresh perspective on leadership, on early childhood, on operations, on systems. And I'm excited to have one of my really good friends, Beth Cannon, here with us today. Beth. Beth and I connected a while ago, but then the way God set it up is that we just started seeing each other in person way more often, which was super fun. We're going to see each other at the time of this recording again next week. We'll have dinner together in Orlando. So Beth has really become not just a partner in the early childhood space from a professional standpoint, she's really become a friend where I reach out to for questions or, you know, just support and advice. So I'm just, I'm really grateful to have you here with us today.
1: Well, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So one of the things that I first got introduced to with Beth was her manuals to modules. You know, and when I heard this concept, I was like, oh, this sounds intriguing, tell me more. And I invited Beth to actually do a guest expert session in our Owners HQ and our Directors in Our Circle membership program. And our members were blown away by it. They ate it up, they were constantly asking questions, they wanted more, they went and you know purchased her course on it. And so today I really want to talk about why creating modules versus manuals for our staff or manuals for parents or manuals for all these things that are going on?
1: Why modules versus manuals? Because zero people are reading those manuals. <laughs> <laughs> That's, why, That's you know, it. That's a simple answer. <laughs> that, that is the simple answer. You know, they, yeah. would, they would say, okay, we've got a manual. This will cover all of our bases so we don't get sued. But the truth is, it didn't, it's not teaching anyone anything. They're not learning from that. They're not reading it. They're not absorbing it. And when you think of, I mean, just think of what's happened in the last three years. Our technology went from zero to 10 years ahead within a few months, right? When COVID hit and everything went online. And so we've progressed so far and we have to pay attention to how our people are not only learning, but processing and and remembering. So it's that recall, retention and reaction. So it's just like we, we teach things to children but how well are we teaching things to our employees because what we really want them to understand is what to know think and do with their job like what is your brand voice what you know what are your policies how what are what are your compliance standards and so so many things were getting missed so that's one right we want them to learn but number two our leaders have become so burdened with so many other things that have become a part of their job that they don't have the time to sit down and have adult story time to read the manual and make sure that everyone heard what they were supposed to hear, now go do your job. Yeah. Yeah. So moving to that takes them for, it's it's good for the employee because they're learning and it's mm-hmm. good for the manager leader because they're freeing themselves up to assign these courses and then use that connection time to truly connect. So I want to go
0: back a couple of steps because I find that almost anytime I ask a leader, you know, tell me one of the top Tell me your top three struggles. One of them is always going to be onboarding. Some yes. component of onboarding is going to be in the top three, no matter the season we're in. So this is back in 2015. This is now in 2022. Right. I find no matter the season, onboarding is such a point of contention for leaders. And I'd love to hear your perspective.
1: Why does it consistently sit in the top three pain points? Because they have not sat down to truly figure out a strategy that works with their onboarding process. And by strategy, I mean, they've never taken the time to sit down and say, what are the exact steps that it takes for me to recruit, hire, train, and retain? And I think it's just the, and and what they do is it's a very reactive process. Like I've done it so many times, I'll do it. And then they repeat ad nauseum things that should be automated, delegated, or eliminated.
0: Yes. Yes. So, I'm speaking now from the mind of the person who's listening to this right now and thinking, you know, they're probably nodding their head a lot. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of reactionary stuff. I'm putting out a lot of fires, but I know the leaders thinking this is a lot of work and I am in a place where I just need to get bodies in the door. I'm trying to keep my enrollment up where it could be so I could pay the bills. I'm trying to increase tuition so that I could keep up with inflation. There's so many other things that, leaders find more urgent, more important. And I, I think that anyone can make a case for anything being the most important thing. But sure. I'd love to hear how can a leader get started maybe to remove one or two
1: fires that consistently come up in the onboarding process. This is what I really want them to understand is what is the money value of your time? Because it is it's not okay. the thing that's on fire. Yeah. Yeah, but if you yeah. take time now, block out the time, and I know you and I both teach a lot on time yes. management time, blocking, yeah. team days. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah. consistent thing. Right? And we know it works because we, we do it and it works. Yeah. So yeah. taking that time now. So I would say this, get a stack of Post-it notes and write out on one Post-it note, every single step that you go through and that your people go through every time you have a new hire. I mean, I, I, I did that when I did that, there were 27 steps. No. Yes. 27 steps, you know, just with the contracts and the agreement yeah. and the paperwork yeah, for and sure. how am I going to get it and how am I going to upload it? And so I'm like, wait, and then I organized the step. So I would say, get your post-it notes, write every single step, have a post-it party, turn on some fun music, walk through every single step that it takes and then think, okay, who's responsible for this step? Do we have an onboarding specialist? Like, is there one person who's responsible for working through all of this and assign that to that person? So think in terms of What is our what are our leaders doing and what is the employee doing? And then another thing that we miss, have they assigned a mentor teacher? Like what is a mentor teacher's responsibility? So there's really three key people involved. And I think if they just take the time to figure out what do we need to do, who is going to do it? And then how can we simplify this process? It's a lot easier than they think, honey. It's just taking the time to work through the process.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting when you said 27 steps, I thought immediately of, I went to this operation training a long time ago when I first started my business. And the guy asked, how many steps does it take to pay a bill? Like how many steps are in that process? He said 19. And I think we all like fell off our chairs thinking, that's crazy. There can't be 19 steps to pay a bill. And he's like, no, if you really break down every single step that it takes to pay a bill, it's 19 steps. And so this is why... We need a process because when you're always going reactionary, you're going to miss one step or something if you're always trying to go by default. And a lot of times your
1: default setting is not the best setting to be on. Right. Um, And also, too, it's the emotional energy that it takes to walk through that when you don't have a system and a process. Sure. So it's the cost of your soul because it feels so overwhelming.
0: Mm hmm. Okay, so I'm going to push back again because I'm talking from the mindset of the person who's listening. Yep, Let's where do you deep. want me to find the time, Beth? Like, we are. How am I going to find the time to do this posted thing? Like, here's the fifty other things that are more important right now, and I don't want to talk about this at nauseam. I want to speak about it a little bit and go into some other parts of the conversation. But I find this to be the number one reason that
1: leaders don't take action is a time capacity. They have to choose at a time. It's just like, when do you ever have time to have a date night with your husband? You have four kids, right? You block it out. On, you, you <laughs> this is what I'm going yeah. to do. And you have yeah. to be intentional about setting those boundaries and protecting yeah. your time and, and decide yeah. if it's a priority. Again, if you understand you what the money value of your time is, how much is this going to save you exponentially? So if you, yeah. you know, if you set up your bills on automatic bill pay, you may think, oh, it's only going to take me 45 minutes to pay my bills. Well, that's 45 minutes and you think it's no big deal, but how times every month. You I gotta pay the bills every it. month. <laughs> right. If you set it up on automatic pain, you have to worry about it. So think about what automating this process could yeah. do for you in a yeah. time and, and borrow some pain from your future.
0: Mm. I always tell my
1: students, close your eyes and imagine that manual orientation every time you hire someone new. Imagine the time it takes, the emotional energy that takes, how often you get interrupted so you can't be fully present with a new employee when you really want to connect with them. You've got to think you've got to borrow that pain from your future. And when you think about that, I hope that it makes you realize I have no choice. You know, whatever your time is, you know, maybe you have to work on a Saturday. Maybe you have to work late. Maybe you have to go get a hotel for yourself. And that's what I I have a girlfriend that has a lake house. And she's so generous to let me go use her lake house when I need an inspiring space to think. And that is where I came up with my process for this many years ago. Love it. But you just have to be intentional, honey. It's it's just so the time is never going to drop on your calendar.
0: Uh, Oh, that that we know already. Right. (laughs) So let's talk about this for one second. Um, I'm going to go off key from the from the mandos concept. I want to talk about priorities, which you spoke about. So one of the things I talk about a lot and I get so much pushback pushback on this is reduce your commitments reduce the amount of commitments that you have so that you could create space for what you really need. And I find that the pushback that we get is often like, but I can't reduce commitments. I have to do all these things. All of these things have to happen. And I said, sure, but they don't all need to happen today or next week. And so you introduced me to this amazing book, Procrastinate on Purpose, which I absolutely love. And one of the concepts that he talks about here is understanding, no, sometimes you need to push off that thing for later, because it's actually going to be more expensive if you do it now, because you're going to have to change it 40 times. Right. Um, and so remembering to pause and reduce commitment. So let's talk for a second about how have you learned to prioritize, right? Because you're also ambitious, overachiever, type A, three on the Enneagram, all the things, right? And so you want to do all the things, right. but you've also learned how to prioritize. So walk us through a little bit of your process of how you've reduced commitments to create prioritization for what's important.
1: Well, a lot of this is letting go of other people's expectations of me Mm. and deciding what my best yes is, you know, because I do like to people please, I do like to do all of the things. And so, you know, I'm in a season to where I, you know, put myself out there and then have acquired a lot of contracts. So I'm doing a lot of work, which has not allowed me to do some of the things that I enjoy doing. So I look at what my personal priorities are. And for me, it's my faith. It's my husband. It's my family. And so my, my kids, you know, my daughters has got married. My son's graduated from college. So I've been in a season to where I'm like, I need to stop and really be present with my kids because the, the times that I felt like were sand falling through my fingers, my fingers are empty. And so now my hands that were so busy are more still. And so I find this need to fill things. But when i look at what my priorities are and i understand now at my age how i have wasted so much time doing things that other people put on my plate that did not bring me joy now in this season of my life i am choosing to do only things that that bring me peace and things that bring me joy and if it's not a heck yes it's a no and as a leader of course you know you want to please you want to please your people right you want to be there for your people but I don't always have to be that person. And it is such freedom when you empower maybe another layer of leadership or pull someone up into leadership and you empower them to lead. I've realized I don't have to be the one to do all of those things. And what a joy it is to get to watch other people take on that leadership and fly with it And, and honestly do better than I would have done at it. Sarah Schreiner is one of our clients in our owners HQ
0: program. Oh, yeah. She she has a really great quote that she told me about a couple months ago. She said, I shifted from taking pride in all that I can do to treasuring what my team can create. Yes,
1: oh, I love that. And
0: every time I say it, get chills because I think it's so beautiful and it really just encompasses everything that you shared. Like, let's treasure what other people could create that brings joy in the world. But let's talk about this this concept for a second, right? Where you're in this real transition season of going into this empty nest, right? Your beautiful daughter just got married to the love of her life. Your son is graduating college. You're in a completely different season of life than I am um, and that many other people are, right? But you're in this season where you're like, I want to be intentional. I want to find things that are bringing me peace and joy. But I'd love to turn back the clock 20 years ago for whoever is in a season of life where they're still raising young kids or young children or they're in whatever. They're just in a different season of life remembering that it's this balance between your life isn't ending tomorrow. So please remember that you have time to do other things, right? I get offers a lot. Like, can you do this? Can you speak on this stage? Can you do this? And I'm like, yes, in 10 years, come back to me and I'd be happy to see if I could say yes to that right now. I need to raise my family and I also have a business, right? Like some things I'm going to do now and some things I'm going to do in my late forties or my early fifties or whatever it is like we have to remember that we can do all the things that we want, just not all at the same time, right. and that is a really hard thing to come to peace with and i've i it's one of the reasons why you're such an inspiration for me, and just I love having older friends in my life, people that are older than me um who've crossed my path and can kind of shed some wisdom on like, hey girl, like take a deep breath, you're gonna you'll have time for those things so so right. thank you for that. Let's go back to this onboarding process in when a leader's listening to what it takes to create this process, right? You're like, okay, go to a lake house, write down, you know, your post-it notes, go to, go, go to some quiet space. And, you know, the person's thinking, okay, I have five hours maybe that I could block out, maybe two and a half and two and a half, maybe not even all in a one five hour time block. What are the top two to three things that
1: you think I should try to tackle during this time? So I would say figure out what your process is. And then create a to-do list. I would say that these are, these are all the steps that my manager, that you know, the manager needs to take. These are all the steps that the employee needs to take and then figure out, okay, what day to day, maybe days one through, you know, days one through 10, right? Maybe, you know, that you've got your first two weeks and be very intentional. What does day one look like? What does day two look like? What does day three look like? You know, one of the things that I teach when they deconstruct their manual, you know, they take that manual, I teach them how to break it up into five core components. And I've got a free manuals to modules checklist that I you can share in the show notes where yes. they can go and say, what are these categories? How do we break it down? So we talk about your culture. We talk about your compliance. We talk about curriculum. We talk about so many different things, but there really are those five key categories and they break down those categories. And then I teach them how to sort the information so that when your new employee is consuming it, it makes sense to them. So Mm -hmm. deconstructing your manual. I've got a very simple process with a free download. You've got to figure out what needs to, you, you audit, you edit and you eliminate and you update your manual. So figure out your process and then deconstruct your manual.
0: Let's talk a little bit about this concept of mentor teachers, right? Something you brought up in the beginning of the conversation. And I think it's a kind of wish list that maybe sits on like the wall of of the director or the owner of like, yeah, one day really need to create this teacher mentor program, you know, but right now I've got to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. I would love to hear, because I think everyone defines a teacher mentor program in a very different way. And so I'd love to hear, how do you kind of see
1: this program process, what, you know, whatever it is? Well, with regard to a mentor mentor teacher, that's really a buddy, you know, that's kind of a, a teacher that you, that you know, like, and trust, who really exudes your brand, who is a brand ambassador, you know, who who gets you, who, who gets your heart, maybe someone who's teaching, you know, kind of in the same age level. It doesn't even really have to be official. And so I don't want them to overthink this too much, but just maybe just to sit down with that person and say, hey, this is the process that this new employee is going to walk through. This is what her day one, day two, day three, et cetera, looks like. So there are just a few touch points or knowledge checks that I would love for you to just touch base on with her, you know, make sure does she have any questions? Does she feel welcome? You know, invite her to eat lunch with you, show her the supply closet, just kind of be her buddy and her, like her big sister. It's almost like a big sister program or big brother, What you know, whatever it is, but doesn't have to be super official unless you want it to be. But I think that belonging and community is really important from the get go and because Everyone is so busy doing their own jobs and being short staffed, whatever. We're not really intentional about that connection. So a person starts
0: mm. and then they don't feel good
1: because I bet you would say this because you and I both do team training. We both are in mm-hmm. centers and we we're around staff. And when you say, what is your why? Like when you're driving to work, what do you get excited about? Of course, some will say kids. That a lot of them say they really love their coworkers. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah, they're friends. And that knowing that they have a fellowship in a community at work gets them going to work that day. Sure. And that's a retention strategy, right? Yes. A yeah. is a retention strategy. It's not just a nice thing. It is a strategy yeah. to connect yeah. new people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I
0: think there's a couple studies done that people stay, I think, five times or 15 times more, 15% more if they have a friend at work, they stay at that job um, yes. when they know they actually yes. have a good friend there. There's there's something around that. So there's definitely a lot of science and data to back up the value in creating a camaraderie amongst your staff. I find that when it comes to, Anything really when it comes to operations, whether that's onboarding, whether that's creating a mentorship program, where all of these things are essentially understanding how to streamline the way that you operate as a center better. A mentor teacher program is a system that helps do X, right? All of these things are a system that helps do X. I find that we can get stuck sometimes and being obsessed with creating systems and almost mm-hmm. pushing off other important things in the name of I've got to create systems this year. And you're going to create systems every year. There's no such a thing as this is a year of systems every single year. You're going to be creating new systems, but I'd love to hear, you know, what is, how do we elevate our mindset around starting to look at things from a systems-based thinking versus
1: let me just do it the way I've always done. Let me just continue operating this way. Let me just, let me, let me just go. Well, the mindset goes back to borrow some pain from your future. If you put those systems in place now, they'll be there. And think of this too, like I would never be able to release and empower other leaders if I didn't have good systems in my business. Good, written, standard operating procedures to where someone steps in and I say, this is what I need you to do. You know, I've I've done a lot of, of video trainings, like this is how to do this process. And so if we want freedom in the future, and I think so many, that's what leaders want and crave. Like they want and crave the freedom, the time freedom, the money freedom. But Freedom only comes, I believe, from borrowing that pain from your future, being very intentional about creating the systems. And you don't have to sit down and say, hey, today is all the systems. You know, when you're doing something and think of a process that you do repeatedly every day, every week, every time you hire someone, every time you offboard someone. Think of those systems that you do repeatedly. Could you walk through and just write out? Here are some simple steps. So if I'm gone and someone else needs to step in and do this, I can share this SOP. I've got everything organized so that my leadership team knows what to know, think and do in my absence. Like you have to prepare for those things. And the way to do it is to be intentional about doing it. Because if you don't focus on it, what happens is, is you encounter that pain when you can't be there. And then you're frenetic and things get missed and accidents happen.
0: Yeah. So again, this goes back to what I was talking about before of reduce capacity, reduce your yep. commitments yes. in that you might have to say, you know, our company is in a maintenance year right now. We're not saying yes to any big opportunities or big things that are coming up because we are in a real, un- like just understanding of auditing everything that's working and not working. And we might do this well into 2023, actually um, seeing how much backlog there is. But I think this goes into the definition of understanding the season that you're in. And this is like my final question here for you. I think there's a lot of obsession of growth season in the childcare space, grow, expand, buy, sell, merge, acquire, all of those things. And I think that there's very little, it's almost like not sexy to be in maintenance mode um, to say, you know, we're just maintaining this year or we're, there's so much glory put on growth. And you can't be in a growth season every single year or every single month. There has to be rest and restoration. So I'd love to hear your perspective on this, you know, being in this field for so long, working, you know, multiple different businesses for, for what, close to two decades. Tell us about this concept of rest and restoration and where that comes in in connection with the growth season. Well,
1: You know, as an Enneagram 3, it's really hard for me to not be in growth mode. I know, I know, I know. That's why I'm asking you then. (laughs) Right. Again, so I really do believe that COVID changed my, there there were two life-changing events that changed my perspective on this. One was losing my dad to cancer and he was a workaholic. I mean, I, I come by it honestly, but in one of the last doctor's appointments that I was with him at, the nurse said, you know, you have beat this so many times and it kept coming back and coming back. Can you think of anything that was going on in your life? when it came back. And he looked directly at me and said, job related stress. And then he said, and don't forget that sister. And that is one of my last memories with my dad. And he passed away just a few weeks later. And so that was a real eye opener for me that because I saw what his work stress did to his life and to his soul. So that was thing one. But thing two, when COVID hit and everything shut down, I didn't have any. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to create stuff to do. And this is what I felt led to do. Get up every single day, get centered in my devotion and my quiet time, pray. What am I supposed to do on this day? Show me what I'm supposed God. to do on this day. And that's, I mean, I, I wish that there was a more woo-woo or yeah, you know, I mean, so the this world sometimes would really say, how did you manifest all of this? I didn't, man, I don't manifest anything. I, I believe that the opportunities that we have are in front of us and just being wise and intentional about that. And just, I, so I just became in a season to where putting all this stuff on my plate was soul-sucking for me. Yeah, And I don't want to live that way anymore. And yeah. so I, for me, the way to not live that way anymore is to step back and again, put systems in place that free me up, not just my time, but my mental and emotional space. And that is where the onboard, that's where the automated onboarding and the manuals to modules all came in, honey, because one yeah. of the things that I realized I'm spending so much time on was this. And what I wanted to do was not sit down with new employees and go over a whole rule book. I wanted to sit down with them and connect with them and get to know them and introduce them to our team. And so because I've lived it and breathed it, and it was such a benefit, not just for my business and my team and the way they were performing after they went through this process, but just in the way that I felt about what I was doing. And it just felt so good to feel elevated from the junk
0: I love it. And we'll just leave it in that moment. And each person can kind of take what they want from that thought. Beth, I know you're all over and there's so many things that you're doing. Tell us where people can go to find out more about your work and what you're doing in the world.
1: Right. So you can find me at Beth Cannon Speaks on on Facebook and Instagram, Beth Cannon on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. My website is BethCannonSpeaks.com. But I there, there are a few things that I do in my business. I, I speak at conferences which is where you and I connect. I do team building trainings in schools. I have some digital strategy courses on my website and I do just some small group coaching programs throughout the year. So we'll be launching one again this fall, our Stuck to Strategy Academy. And then of course, manuals to modules they can get at any time if they're ready to automate their awesome. onboarding process and ditch that paper manual.
0: Awesome. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. I always find our conversations just enriching for my soul. I, oh always glean some wisdom from what you have to share. So I appreciate your time and just sharing all of this with us. So thanks for joining us. It's an honor to be here. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the strategic summer workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems Or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.